peace, everybody. Um, just want to welcome everybody. Moors in America is for all Moorish Americans. Uh, we're going to be speaking with somebody um, who's very, very intelligent, very wise, somebody I've been following online for a while, Toriana Obashango L. And first and foremost, I want to give honors, much praise to the Most High, Father God Allah, honors to Noble Drew Ali, our divine prophet, for bringing us our divine creed and nationality so that we may love instead of hate. And uh, honors to the forerunner, Marcus Mosiah Garvey, for preparing the way for our prophet. And honors to all the faithful Moors out there all over the world. That's what we're doing it for. That's what Moors in America is all about. Peace, fam. Everybody, welcome. This is Moors in America. We provided news information for all Moors in America, all Moorish Americans. Today we have a guest, Toriano Obashango L. Um, I've been following this brother online for a while now. Um, Think going all the way back to MySpace days, right? So he's been coming with the scholarship, with the research and the info, and um, a lot of you guys out there probably already heard of him, especially the people who's really on it. And if if you haven't heard of him yet, but you know you in this for real, trying to um, figure out how to how to um, get yourself out of or get your your people out of this situation that we find ourselves in. If you're serious about it then this is somebody you definitely want to research and um, check out his website. And um, you definitely want to share this interview with your family and friends. And without any further ado, go ahead and turn this over to my guest so he can inter uh, introduce himself. Peace. Hey, peace and love, family, brother Sharif. Peace and love, peace and blessings. Man, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, man. It's good to finally speak with you and have you on the show. Yeah, man, it is. I'm glad you reached out to me, man, and invited me, man. I'm, you know, very honored and very happy, man. Yes, it's been a long time, man. It's been about 11 years, man, since, uh, yeah. you know, we've been in touch with each other, man. Like you said, since the MySpace days, man. You know, I've been been doing it, you know, since then and, you know, and even earlier, back in the 80s and 90s. So, yeah, man, uh, hey. I'm, I'm ready to do this thing, man. Uh, let's get this knowledge to our people, man, so they can have a viable method of uh, of saving themselves, man. You know, yeah, yeah. a simple method of saving themselves. So, fire away, brother. All right, and that's a big deal, too, because, like, like what you're saying, you've been on it since the 80s and 90s. Like, we've been on this since before the Internet is what it is with, you know, all the info mm -hmm. on YouTube and people could kind of just halfway through the scholarship without actually yeah. having to get out there and work, go to libraries, get out there and meet people and actually, you know, physically, you know, put in work. So you got to respect yeah. what the brother's bringing. And um, you know what really uh, made me want to um, go ahead and speak to you now uh, was because of the post that you had put up, I think, yesterday or the day before, and you were um, – saying you were going to go in on Donald Trump. And I'd really love to share that with the audience, to share your thoughts on Donald Trump, and especially in light of what he just said about the 14th Amendment and yeah. saying that, you know, being born here doesn't make you a citizen. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know how viable this source is, but they're saying that, Trump is a member of uh, Scottish Masonry, a lodge in Scotland. 
which I can uh, vet that information. Uh, I got it off on one of those alternative news sources. So, you know, uh, I don't too much uh, get off into that type of stuff, you know, unless it sounds like it's something interesting. But if that is the case, then uh, by him being, if that is the case and if he is a Mason, then that means that he knows the truth. He knows the truth. You know, Masons know the history. The Shriners know the history of, you know, Amaruka. Not only do they know the archaeological history and the uh, the ancient technological history, as well as the morphological history and the genetic history, they know the political history. So he knows how that amendment came about in depth and who were all the power players and whatnot and those behind the scenes that had an interest in getting that fraud in the, in the place. So uh, Trump knows being that, like you said, being born here doesn't make you a citizen. You know, but see, that's not the first time we've heard that. Yeah. You know, the Holy Prophet Noble Drew Ali told us that. Yeah, and so Moors need to listen carefully because you got a lot of Moors running around uh, doing what they call some type of naturalization uh, thing. I'm not sure, but I know uh, you know I've had debates with Moors about that. There is no position over there in the 14th Amendment corporate de facto militarized democracy for you to naturalize into. That's not even for you. You know, you're you're born a citizen of the empire. You know, and the citizenship breaks down into two factions. It breaks down into youth sanguineness, which goes all the way back to the Paleo-American Atoxin of Taborogene, stepping all the way back, which is archaeologically recorded and record uh, down in uh, Miramar, Argentina, uh, 3.5 to 5 million years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, Florida Tino Armagino, you can get that information from... Uh, the Hidden History of the Human Race by Michael Cremo and Richard Thompson. Also, uh, another book called Forbidden Archaeology. Stepping forward all the way to Brazil, uh, uh, Toca de Esperanza, which is a cave where they found uh, human remains and you know and uh, uh, evidence of humans uh, three hundred thousand years ago. And uh, another cave called. Uh, not a cave, not another cave, but another uh, archaeological spot down there called Sede de Capivara, which, uh, according to Doctor Nede Guidon, goes all the way back, quite possibly to 100,000 years ago. Uh, come on up to uh, Mexico, you got Wide Laco, around about 250,000 years ago. Then uh, you have in California, you have. Uh, Texas Street site 80 to 90,000 years ago. Uh, you have uh, the gig the that they had found out there like a couple of years ago with the mammoth bones and uh, human activity about 130,000 years ago. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, <clears throat> uh, the other place out there in California, the Calico site about 200,000 mm-hmm. years ago. Come on over to South Carolina. <clears throat> 
You got the Topper site 51,300 years ago. Then come on back to Tennessee, Eastern Tennessee, Hollis Mills. You got the Pygmy Skull Burial Site. Uh, archaeological dig dated about 40,000 years ago. So, uh, of course, all of this is before the empire, you know. So that in and of itself is a part of what they call your natural-born citizenship in the Americas under what they call you sanguine. Mm -hmm. The law pertaining to blood, the law of blood. That's how long we've been here and quite possibly even longer because the oldest version of the malarial parasite was found here in the Americas. It was found in the Dominican Republic in a mosquito that was trapped in amber. Wow. And uh, I think it was about 10 to 15 million years ago. And it's already been scientifically shown that malaria and O-type blood have a very, very ancient connection. Can not I A, not right B, not AB. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that would have any connection to, like, people over here having sickle cell anemia because they told us that that came from the genes of our, our, our ancestors <laughs> in Africa, you know, mutating to kind of um, as a way to survive malaria and different things like that. Have well, you, you got to think. Yeah, you got to thinking cap on, don't you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, let's, listen, let's, look, let's look at it like this. The malarial test, the, the malarial immunity test, started I think around about 1955, and it did it wasn't it wasn't uh, the test didn't begin on Africans. It started on so-called Negroes in America. Wow. Yeah, they started, the testing started on us. The malarial immunity test, P. Vivax malaria, started on us over here. And they, they wanted to find out why we why why we had a why we seemed to have a natural immunity. So if you, that that in and of itself tells you that uh, you already knew that it didn't come from Africa, you started testing us over here. Yeah. So not only that, uh, in British historical records, when uh, the British had colonized Honduras, the British were dying left and right of uh, what they call yellow fever, malaria. Yeah. And they said that. The the Garifuna walk around, man, and deal with the mosquitoes like, you know, whatever it is. They don't even bother. They have a natural immunity to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there you yeah. go. So, These are in British history. Or, like, if, if I don't know any better, you know, they have me and other people like me with sickle cell and family looking, you know, over there thinking, like, not, no, not knocking, you know, African ancestry or anything, but looking over there thinking, okay, you know, my auntie's cousin's got sickle cell, so that means that we came from Africa, you know, not telling exactly. that the indigenous are walking around here, okay, you know, while the colonists are dying, you know, getting sick. Wow. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. So all of this is a history that plays a part in your youth sanguineous status of who you are in Amaruka, Ak, also known as Turtle Island, uh, Maghrib al-Aqsa, uh, Ta'asar, uh, Ta Land of Osiris, whatever you want to call it, Egypt but the West. It's got a million and one names. You already know that, you know. Okay. The Yusoli aspect comes in under who was the first nation or empire 
to place a lawfully recognized claim. That would be the Canaanite, Phoenician, Carthaginian, Punic, Iberian Empire with the born stone laid in Camasacum, Connor, Cape Cod Bay, Massachusetts, underneath Hanno, the Navigator, 500 A.D., approximately, I mean, excuse me, B.C., 500 B.C., approximately, mm-hmm. with the stone written in, uh, uh, they said, Punic, Iberian, uh, which is spent off from uh, Proto-Canaanite, Paleo-Hebrew. With, a lot of them use the same glyphs. It says, a proclamation of annexation. Do not deface with this Hanno takes possession. And that's when he annexed the Americas in Toto mm-hmm. to the Carthaginian, uh, Punic Iberian, Phoenician Canaanite Empire in the East. Also making it the First Republic because, yes, as I pointed out and posted on my timeline, Carthage was a republic. So America has been under republic jurisdiction for 2,518 years just with the Bornstone. I mean, the Republic for the United States of America was not the first one. That's a spinoff. And they tell you that. How do we know it's a spinoff? Because it's in the Federalist Papers, number 10, where they said, we want to go back and study these ancient republics. And they tell you exactly which republic they chose to go with. Why? Because what is the symbol of Carthage? The elephant, right? What's the symbol of the Republican Party? The elephant. So they put, it in your, they put it in your face. But these are Masonic symbols and codes that if you don't recognize them, you know, you won't see it for what it is. Yeah. So they already know who you are. They know majority of the tribes. You know, if you read the, the letters and papers of Thomas Jefferson in July 1788, uh, uh, they talk about the Creeks, uh, the Muskoki, you know, uh, coming from uh, – uh, a surveying team that was lost over here during the period plus on Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Not Hannibal, but Hanno, you know. And basically he was surveying the land, surveying the, the coastlines and surveying the land inward. And uh, not only that, in uh, that same book, and I can thank uh, Sister uh, Crystal Douglas Bay for this, give her a shout out on here. Uh, she's been doing uh, basically a lot of, uh, she takes she takes my videos and takes notes and then she goes and does her research on what I on what I teach. Uh, there's another part in that book where it said, "Hey man, that the languages and uh, the guy was saying the people in in Africa. He called the people in Africa red men. That's what he called them. He called them red men. They say black in in this section of the book. He said the red men of America and the red men of Africa are basically virtually identical people." <laughs> <laughs> He wow. said that in the book. He says, and there's a plethora of languages. There's a plethora of languages over here and a plethora of languages over there. He said, now we need to tell who came from who. Did they come from, quote, unquote, Africa, or did the Africans come from, quote, unquote, America? He said, because it seems like the languages are more diverse over here. Well, I think as far as, I think as far as us coming from uh, uh, Africa, I think that this is what I think. I think that a lot of us left from here and migrated over there, but the languages were brought back to us over here. And the reason being is because 
a lot of the ancient writings and the evidence of the various languages are older over there. But as far as the people and whatnot, uh, the mounds and things of that nature, you know, pyramids, pyramids and things, the old over here. So I think what happened was around about 12,000 B.C., uh, 12,000 years ago, not B.C., excuse me, 12,000 years ago, science has already shown that there was an asteroid, a comet, that hit in the South Carolina area. And what happened was it caused so much problems, man, that it radiated the soil with uh, iridium. And it, uh, it created a, what they call a dry ass, almost like a, a small, uh, what do they call it, uh, ice age, many ice age periods. And large swaths of the Americas, of North America, became uninhabitable. So we had to leave. Now, if you know about 12,000 years ago, that's when they say that Atlantis sank around about 10,000 B.C. Yeah. Is that what they tell you? Uh-huh. Well, 12,000 years ago would be approximately close to 10,000 B.C., around about the time they say Atlantis sunk. So a lot of us had to leave. We had gone back down to Mexico and South America, and we had gone over to Africa. We had gone over to Africa, you know, taking ships and whatnot, and a lot of those areas were recently settled. Now, here's the funny part about it. If you look at a lot of the Yoruba people and area in, in, in Nigeria, some of them, man, look like us. Some of them look like the pictures of what they call, quote, unquote, the Indian with long, keen, pointed noses and things of that nature. And uh, not only that, uh, there's a book. I can't remember uh, the author's name. Uh, <clears throat> I think the title of the book is Africa and the Discovery of America. Uh, it's in my OneDrive. It's in the historical readings and other documents folders. But uh, I can't remember the author's name, but he's talking about that how the bronze casting that the Benin and the Yoruba have, it wasn't developed there. It was brought there. And they said that, they said, quote, unquote, uh, these people had a completely organized city-state government that was just brought up on to the land of now known today as Nigeria that it did not evolve there. They don't know where it come where it come from. They said these people had high technology, and they said that uh, it looked like as if they came across the ocean from the west, yeah. okay. which would be Atlantis. So, you know, a lot. There's also a lot of lore talking about you know people leaving the Americas and going over there. And then the funny part about it is, I have a good friend that I communicate with regularly. Her name is Dr. Fatou Dara. She's a dentist, man, and uh, she's uh, half a uh, American Aborigine Moore, uh, and she's uh, half Ghanaian, her father's Ghanaian. And uh, she, uh, she's been uh, bringing forth uh, the dentology record, you know, on various teeth. Well, the uh, Ibu people, the Ibu people have a very high percentage of what they call shovel teeth. Uh, their sizes are shovel-shaped. Okay. And uh, it's very high amongst them. And you find that normally amongst the Native American, quote, unquote, mongoloid stock over here that's on the reservation that they call the Indian. You yeah. know, of course, they've been, they've been you know, uh, homogenized out, bleached out now. But a lot of those people were darker than me or even darker just with, you know, mongoloid features, yeah. you know. But uh, they have what's called shovel teeth. And they find that amongst the Igbo, whereas they're like the only 
you know, one of the only groups of quote-unquote Africans that have that dental trait, but it runs high in the mongoloid stock of what they call the Indian over here from South America to North America and uh, uh, Siberia, places like that. So, you know, that lets you know that people migrate, you know. Yeah. People migrate. Various people have left the Americas and gone to populate other places. But all of this, back to the, the focal point, all of this is a part of your youth sanguineous history of who you are in the Americas. And the youth so lead history deals with the empire claim. Of course, Kemet, you know, what they call Hikupta, you know, was already over here. Uh, what they call Tameri, uh, Tasiti, Tasiti, which is now known today as, you know, Sudan, or what they call back in the, in the day uh, 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 Upper Hikupta, Tanesi, uh, Ethiopia. Those people were already over here. They, they, they was colonizing over here long ago, thousands of years ago. But the claim was done by Hanno. I mean, prior to him, people came over, they built on the land, left landmarks, he did all types of things. How do we know this? Because we have a lot of archaeological artifacts that have uh, Medunetia writing on it, they have uh, Phoenician writing on it, they have, you know, uh, ancient Libyan script, you know. But the actual claim where somebody said, this is mine, I own this, I'm claiming this, you know, I'm taking possession of this, that was handled. Okay. So that um, book uh, that you were um, saying is on the OneDrive, that's Leo Weiner, Africa and the Discovery of America. Yeah, and there's another one in there. Uh, 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 this guy's a German author, too. He came out around about the time of Leo Weiner, too. So you may want to go through both of those because he goes in-depth about the Yoruba. Yoruba has been studied for quite some time, you know, uh, but both of them dealing with Africa. So, uh the Leo Winery, I think I got the whole volume of Leo Winery and that other guy as well. But, uh, you, know, that, you know, you can go through those. But where does this go all the way up to Donald Trump? How everything I said prior to that play into Donald Trump. Before, Donald Trump you, is a, before you go in on that, can I say one thing just to add to what you're saying? Man, when you yeah. were saying um, about the Shriners, for the most part, knowing our history and knowing yeah. who we truly are, I can attest yeah. to that just from my own personal experience with Shriners mm -hmm. when they encounter me wearing the Fez and yeah. maybe some of you out there too. No. So it's, yeah. it's, he's not just saying this stuff. He's not just, yeah. you know, just running off at the mouth. Like this is real. This is fact. So, you know, go ahead. It's, I just want to add funny. that. Okay. It's funny you said that, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell a little fair story. Then I'm going to go back to Donald Trump. Right. I remember uh, back in 2008 when I was living in Atlanta and I was uh, out on Memorial Drive going into the flea market. And uh, uh, as I was walking towards the, the door, I might have been about 100 yards away, about a block away. Mm -hmm. uh, we had parked way out at the upper top part of the lot. And uh, it was this little... Asian man, I don't know which country he was from, and his wife. And they were walking, and he was talking to his wife, and he had his head down, and uh, she had her head down. You know, I have I, I rarely see Asians walking with their head up, you know, looking ahead. Uh -huh. But uh, I, I was walking towards them, you know, and they were walking towards me. So, you know, I'm 6'3", so it's it's it's, it's 
you know, it's kind of hard to not notice me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's walking, and he looks up, and he sees me coming his direction, and I have my fears on. And he had on bifocal glasses. His eyes got bigger dinner plates than those glasses, man. Wow. And uh, he tapped his wife real quick and said something to him in their, their language, like, look, look, look. So she held her head up and looked, and her eyes got big. Man, those folks stopped. They put their hands together like they was praying, and they started bowing up and down, bowing up and down, bowing up and down. Of course, me being fresh in the movement, I didn't really know what that was about. I just put my hand across my heart and nodded and said peace and kept it moving. And, uh, you know, by that time, I'd already made it past them where they were standing doing all that bowing and stuff to me. So he tapped his wife, and he, he said something. I'm assuming that it meant wait right here. Now, this man had to been as easy in his, in his 70s, easily. Yeah. And he had on flip-flops. He had on flip-flops and socks. And that old man sprinted back to the door, okay, of the flea market. Uh-huh. He sprinted, not jogged, he sprinted. Yeah. And he grabbed the door because it's almost like he didn't even want me to touch it. He beat me to the door because I was walking. Uh-huh. So he grabs the door. He opens it up. I have maybe about another 15, 20 steps before I even get to the door to go inside. And as he's standing there holding the door, he starts bowing up and down again, bowing up and down, bowing up and down. Yeah. So, of course, I put my hand across my heart, nodded my head, said thank you and peace, and just walked on in. Now, what that was about at the time, I didn't know. You know, I just knew that I was coming into the knowledge of us being moored. And then that even goes deeper because when I was in Dominican Republic, going through the mystery systems down there, uh, I, heard, I learned from a, uh, a child by the name of Catherine who was coming home fresh uh, fresh from school. And uh, she, she, she told me, she said, you want to know what I learned at school today? I said, what's that, Catherine? She said, well, my teacher, that day my teacher told me Moors are the, uh, 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 the original people of the Americas and that they own the land. Wow. And my mouth fell on the ground. Now, I, I wasn't even down there looking for no more history. I was down there getting initiated, okay? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh-huh. So, and when she told me, she had this look on her face. Now that when I think back and look at it, it was a look of, do you know who you are? <laughs> you know, she yeah. had this, this look on her face as if to ask me verbally, do I know who I am? Of course, at that time, you know, I'm, I'm under the teachings and studies of my great-grandmother, which what I, what, what I was raised with in the house. You know what I'm saying? You know, we're not black. We're not from Africa. What they call black Indian. Mama, great-grandmama, uh, Elijah Gibson, Apache. This is who we are. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So all my life, I've been, you know, identifying as black Indian in my tribe. Uh-huh. You see what I'm saying? But I didn't come into the Morris knowledge until, like, around about the late 90s, uh, going into the 2000s, but I never equated that until, you know, uh, I heard Todd Terry around about 2005, and then it was confirmed when I was about well over a thousand miles away out of the country by that child, by that by that young girl. Wow. That's when I came back and actually 
and done some due diligence. I mean, yeah, you it's, it's, you hear it over here, you know, but when you go somewhere else, another land, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. In America, America, and you hear it from a child who's getting taught this in school, it has a different effect. Wow, yeah. Totally different effect. You know, yeah, because I can that's a child. To a degree. Yeah. 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 She was only like 12 years old, 12 going on 13 years old. So what need would she have, what agenda would she have to tell me this? Uh-huh. You know, 1,000 plus miles away. Yeah. So, Definitely. you know, uh, back, back to Donald Trump. And everything that I you, before you hit on Trump, man, and I know people that's listening probably like what let him get on Trump, man. I, I can relate to that, man. Um, mm-hmm. When we were living in Brazil, we lived there for about mm-hmm. five years. Uh, one of my sons was in school, and mm-hmm. in the, the little in the school books they had the actual Brazilian history books. They're calling the um, indigenous in that book Negros de Terra, Negros de yeah. Terra, right? Yeah. Negros of the yeah. land. And the Indians that came to the school were just like regular, you know, Moors or, you know, they call us blacks. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They just mm-hmm. look like me and you. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. I mean, I, I could, I mean, I've seen it. And it was just a known fact. We talked to a school teacher there, had long dreadlocks, dark skin. Mm-hmm. She lived on an island. And she, she was saying, yeah, she's indigenous. <laughs> You know, and I told yep. her, yeah, my, my granddad told me we, we're Blackfoot Indians. We're Indigenous Americans, too. You mm-hmm. know, like Taino and Arawak. And we, mm-hmm. you know, tell her the same. And she's like, wow, you know, people that look like us don't usually know that. So we, we connected with, you know, our brothers and sisters over there in Brazil, and they're on the same tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I remember like us, You know, keeping yeah. the knowledge going orally, you know. Yeah, Exactly. And I remember when you left. I want to say you left around about 2007, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I remember. Yeah. I saw it on Facebook because you were yeah. telling me about it. Yeah, I remember when you went down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not Facebook, but MySpace. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah it's so literally from like the tip of America, South America, all the way up, you know, through North America. You know, indigenous yeah. people that look like us. And even some still that's keeping and holding to the traditions, and even some that's still recognized by the government, yeah, the local governments in the different um, different nations. So yeah, like, yeah, that's that's wild, you know. And I go ahead and, and back on up and let you go in on Trump. I just I just wanted to add to what you were saying. Yeah, so Trump, being if he is a Mason, and even if he's not a Mason, you know. I'll put, I'm, I'm throw that in. He's briefed on these things, you know. He's briefed on everything that's going on in the common population of the people. So he knows. He knows about the movement. He's been made aware of the history. And if he's a Mason, he has a deeper understanding of it. So he knows the 14th Amendment. He knows the political uh, subterfuge surrounding the 14th Amendment. He's not going to put it out there and just say it was not ratified. He can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, for him to do that, he will upset banking, and we'll go into that as well. But he said he basically saying, "Guess what? You don't you don't need it." Well, those who were listening to my live, uh, what was that Wednesday night? Uh, if you go into the OneDrive, as a matter of fact, you got access right there. Let's pull it up and talk about it. Go to my website real quick. 
right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna guide you to the uh the PDF. Okay. When you get on the home page, scroll down to Project Womp Code, Weapons of Mass Color Law Destruction. Okay, which document? Uh click under uh link three, citizenship question document. Okay. Okay. All right, I'm there. And it says look for a PDF that says peer study. Fourteenth Amendment. Fourteenth Amendment, okay. Yeah, peer peer study. Okay, I have it. Now, okay, now that you have that up, you see the Georgia State Archives document? Yeah, I have it right now in front of me. Okay. Okay, Okay. you have the Library of Congress document, which was 1967. They read it into the record about the fraud of the 14th Amendment. Okay, after that set of pages of that document, then you have the Georgia State Archives document, which talks about the fraud of the 14th Amendment. And Georgia wasn't the only one that uh, put that into the state record. Louisiana did it, too. Okay. Now, if you go past that, uh, you will see uh, uh, constitutional law reprinted from case law, volume six. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at that right now. Yeah. Okay. Go Go to, yeah, scroll down. Scroll past the page to where you see page 117. It's actually subsection 117, but they have it written in the book like it's page 117. And it's going to start out with the section that you want to look for. It says generally. Yeah, effective unconstitutional statutes. Okay. Yeah, yeah read that. Read that where it says general. And start okay. here. Read all the down so people know. Okay, yeah. One, yeah, general principles. Then we have protection of rights under unconstitutional laws. Affect yep. criminal cases and then validation yep. of unconstitutional statutes. Yeah, keep going, but scroll past that. You're looking at the table of contents, right? Yeah, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Go down because I've got the actual pages in there. Okay, hang on a second. And you'll see it says it started the uh, the heading is generally. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm there. Okay. Yeah. Let me scroll to that page. Hang on a second. <clears throat> All right. Uh, this is Scott versus Sanford. Uh, no. Okay. No, you you, know, you should be. Uh, it says generally where it says uh, about uh, the general uh, rule about unconstitutional statutes. Yeah, it's 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 in it's in that body of uh, pages in the body of uh, constitutional law. It's at one seventeen <laughs> at the bottom. All right. Do you see it? No, I don't see it on here. I'm on the last page. No. Are you in the PDF that's 14th yep. Amendment Pure Study? Yeah, I'm in the same okay. PDF. 
Yeah, it's got 22 pages. I'm, I'm yeah, that's it. it. That's 22 pages. Just scroll back up. Just look at the bottom of the pages and look for 117. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Now I scroll past this. All right. Okay, here we are. General principles. All right, hang on a second. I'm going to read this. All right. The general rule is that an unconstitutional statute, though having the form and name of law, is in reality no law, but is wholly void, and illegal contemplation is an inoperative as if it had never passed. Since an unconstitutional law is void, it imposes no duties and confers no power or authority on anyone. It affords protection to no one, and no one is bound to obey it, and no courts are bound to enforce it. When a judgment of any court is based on an unconstitutional law, it has been said that it has no legitimate basis at all and is not to be treated as a judgment of a competent tribunal. And courts of other states are not required to give it the full faith and credit commanded by the provisions of the United States Constitution as to the public acts, records, and judicial proceedings of other states. An unconstitutional law cannot operate to supersede any existing valid law. And accordingly, where a clause repealing a prior law is inserted in an act, which act is unconstitutional and void, the provision for the repeal of prior laws will fall with it and will not be permitted to operate as repealing such prior laws. A contract which rests on an unconstitutional statute is void and creates no obligation to be impaired by subsequent legislation. These general principles apply to the constitutions as well as to the laws of the several states insofar as they are repugnant to the constitution and laws of the United States. And then what section, that? yeah, that's section 117. Okay. Now, go to go go to 118. Okay. It's right after that. Yeah. Protection of rights under unconstitutional laws. <laughs> The general rule is that an unconstitutional act of the legislature protects no one. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> it is said that all persons are presumed to know the law, meaning that ignorance of the law excuses no one. Consequently, if any person acts under an unconstitutional statute, the general rule is that he does so at his peril and must take the consequences. It has been declared that an unconstitutional act cannot operate to create an office, and a depa any department of government exceeding the limits of its constitutional power acts wholly without authority and can confer no authority on others. But this doctrine is not enforced rigorously, and it is generally recognized that until a statute has been declared unconstitutional, it is sufficient to confer on an officer acting under it such color of title as will constitute him an officer de facto, whether an unconstitutional act of the legislator is sufficient to form a... Okay, we cut off right there. Yeah, if you want the rest of it, you can go to the book. The book is in OneDrive, Constitutional Law. Yeah, I just, took, I just uh, took those excerpts from the book. But that says that if you're operating under an unconstitutional uh, statute or law, and within that 22-page uh, PDF, I have the 14th Amendment statute in there as well, so people can see that it was put in statutorily. So <laughs> it, it tells you that right there, you do so at your own peril. Yeah. If you want to try to enforce fraud, then guess what? You get the consequences and repercussions of it. Now, that's the rule book 
that the courts go by, that the judges go by. They know this already. Mm-hmm. The Constitutional Law Reprints and Case Law, Volume 6, was published 1915. And right after that, I have American Jurisprudence, Volume 16, Second Edition, uh, Subsection 195, which says the same thing as Subsection 117 in Constitutional Law, uh, Volume 6. 102 years later, and that was in uh, American Jurisprudence, Volume 16, Second Edition, Subsection 195 was published in 2017. So 102 years later, the, the knowledge and the information and the rule is still applied. Wow. Uh, you, uh, you see where I'm going with this in regards to the 14th Amendment? Yes. So everything that they have predicated, all the contracts are dead. The birth certificate, dead. Social security card, dead. Uh, uh, passport, dead. Uh, driver's license, dead. All of them are dead. They're dead contracts because they're all adhesion contracts based on the, on the 14th Amendment, which we now know is fraud and which was never uh, uh, validly adopted according to the various uh, clauses of adoption of how amendments are made in the Constitution for the United States of America, 1787. So that lets you know they've been operating in fraud now 150 years. Yeah. They've been pushing this fraud for 150 years, 1868-2018. So this is the reason why I tell the people to get those documents under seal because the moment you present it under seal, it falls under rules of evidence 902. And it shows that, that, hey, all of this is fraud. And because you're forcing this on, on me under threat, duress, and coercion, that I have a right to sue you. Because you're you're creating a hindrance and an undue burden on me, which is not uh, uh, supported by law. Yeah. So you have a you have some moors out there, you know, who call themselves scholars of jurisprudence, and you know, supposedly they want all of these cases and things of that nature, pushing the Fourteenth Amendment. Wow. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna embarrass them, but they're pushing it. Wow. You know. And if they listen to this, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. But that's a fraud. So you're telling our people to go with the fraud, you know. So do you have to go into a court to declare your nationality and to adopt your uh, your title, your blood-born title? No, you don't. No, would you Ali didn't have to do that. He told you about the 14th Amendment. It was unnecessary. Yeah. You just got to be who you are. That's it. Mm-hmm. Be who you are and proclaim it and let the world know. Because anything that's coursing through your veins that you have a blood birthright to, no man can stand in the way of it anyway. The author of the blood is the most high creature's creator of the heavens and earth, whom I call Yahweh Uludumari Amin Allah. You know, whatever is yours by blood, you don't have to ask anybody for permission, you know, to uh, take possession of it. It's yours automatically. It's a blood birthright. So Trump knows all of these things. Only thing he's actually doing is just making the record of him disavowing that portion, but it was already disavowed ab initio. Mm-hmm. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So he knows this. He's been knowing this, and if he's a Mason, he knows the history of the so-called Negro, black, colored, African-American, Latino, you know, and these various other uh, misnomers that they have us classified as. Mm-hmm. He already knows that. 
He's just basically, man, making a public statement. But it's already been disavowed. It was disavowed by the Georgia General Assembly, the Louisiana General Assembly, and the congressional record. Read into the record. Yeah. Now, he just can't come out and say, <clears throat> he just can't come out and say the 14th Amendment, you know, was never ratified. He can't do that. He'll, he'll put himself in jeopardy. Why? Because all banking currently is hinged on the 14th Amendment. Yeah. It's hinged on you being a citizen or what is, what is assumed uh, to be that you are a citizen. And not only that, that you cannot question the federal debt, meaning that whoever the United States owes, his citizens cannot question. Mm-hmm. So that's, as you can see, the bankers have an a interest, a keen interest, and keeping that fraud going with the 14th Amendment. Because yeah. you can never come up and question, hey, where's my gold? Where's my silver? Hey, where's my full uh, 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 rights to payment in regards to the labor that is extracted from me at these uh, corporations as well as the state and federal uh, uh, corporations? You know, uh, why is, why is uh, uh, DHS and all these various other child trafficking agencies able to come into my home and take my children, you know. All of that is predicated on keeping the fraud of the 14th Amendment alive. And Donald Trump knows that. So uh, that right there is one of the reasons he's making his decision Mm -hmm. on what they call birthright citizenship. Now, let's talk about the migrants for a minute. The migrants have a right. They already have a birthright citizenship to the Americas. Mm-hmm. Borders are man-made. The multi-creator of the heavens and earth uh, didn't make borders, imaginary lines. What was allowed according to the laws of the multi-creator of the heavens and earth, Yahweh, Oluda, Maryam, and Allah, within what we call the 42 laws of Mayat, which is also known as uh, later uh, transcribed in what was called the Mosaic Code, is landmark, landmarks and boundary stones. That's, that's, that's what's allowed and permissible to say what land or whose land this is via the landmark of the boundary stone. Well, though, all of those people, man, are from, you know, Amaruka, you know, and so they have a right if they want to travel from the south to the north, they have a right to come in on the land. Why? Because the whole land belongs to them as well. But there's one problem. They're traveling under a colorable status because all of those uh, so-called nations that they traveled from were incorporated, you know, on the land mass known as Amaruka, which was first claimed by Hanno the Navigator through annexation from the north to the south. So they're traveling colorably, and they're traveling under ignorance of the law. You, You see what I'm saying? which it excuses no one, so the sad part about it is a lot of them will suffer due to their ignorance. But if we go back to Jose, the book of Jose, chapter uh, 4, verse 6, it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So more American nationality would apply to them too as well, like Hondurans, Belizeans. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, it would because they're bo- um, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, because they're born within the dominions of the empire, and not only that, if we were to do a DNA test, a lot of men are going to come up with the old type blood, with the uh, 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 the Paleo American uh, uh, Negroid uh, 
coursing through their veins, uh, as well as the proto-mongoloid as well. So a lot of those people are dark as, as you and I, if not dark. Yeah. You know, they're our cousins. You know, so, yes, it would apply to them. But they're stuck up underneath their corporate inception, just like our people up here are stuck up underneath the fraud of the 14th Amendment. Yeah. <clears throat> would you say that, the um, like, the various temples should be sealing these documents and, like, you know, filing suit? Uh, the temple can. The temple can file suit. They can file suit off of Chapter 47, supported by Prince uh, Uriel Bay's documents of what he put in, in at uh, the Library of Congress. And I have those documents on my website as well. Uh, showing who are the de jure owners of the land. And uh, that's why Noble Drami told you don't get rid of your Bible. Why? Because the Quran, the Quran, what he said, the great Quran of Muhammad of Mecca, where if you read the Quran, the Quran confirms the prophets of the Old Testament, and it also confirms the teachings of Esau, mm -hmm. you know, or Yeshua, Yeshua HaMashiach. So can they file suit? Yes, they can. Because they're making decisions because these corporations called state are making decisions on property that they don't own. Yeah. The state, the, uh, the original days, your state, and I've gone through, I've gone back through the, uh, the United States statutes at large and saw the, uh, the statutory inception and creation of these various states. And if you look in there, it's spelled according to the proper rules of uh, English uh, English grammar, upper and lower case, proper noun, okay? Uh, what they have now are average maritime de facto corporations under military uh, jurisdiction. So they are not the real state. And all you have to do to find that out is go and read Government Printing Office Writing Style Guide I have uh, in the language folder in the OneDrive. I have 2008 version and 2016 version. And it tells you that. It tells you how proper nouns are supposed to be addressed. And we're talking about a person, a place, or a thing. So if it's not spelled according to that, then what exactly is it? It's not the, it's not the, organic, it's not the organic land mass of the statutory created uh, trusteeship what we call the day of state, which is a subsidiary of the usufruct known as the United States. So what exactly are we dealing with? We're dealing with a, mar a maritime corporation under military admiralty jurisdiction. And all of this is in their stuff. This is their stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm not making any of this up. People can go and read it and do their own due diligence. I have it in the OneDrive, you know. So... With that being stated, yes, the temple can sue. The temple can sue. You know, but they have to come in as uh, uh, who they are in regards, you know, to the land. And not only that, uh, use Prince Uriel Bay's documents as well as uh, genetic blood birthright. That's why I'm a proponent for genetic. Because once the blood is on the table, there's really nothing else to be said, you know. And you can charge them with fraud because, then let's just think about it. What you read earlier 
under uh, Constitutional Law, Reprint for Case Law, Volume 6, Subsection 117. It said that any tribunal that made a judgment on an unconstitutional ruling on an unconstitutional uh, act or statute as if it is legitimate, what did it call that tribunal? It called them incompetent. Yep. Did, it, yep. did it not say that? Yeah. Now, how many cases? Competent tribunal, yep. Yeah, how, so if you're incompetent, that means you're not fit to do the job. You're not even yeah. fit man to even, to, even, to even be heard from. So how many cases have the Supreme Court of the United States made in regards to the 14th Amendment? <laughs> wow, yeah. That means your highest court in the land uh-huh. is incompetent. Wow. It's incompetent. And if you have not gone back, to correct the errors of the former representatives of their higher court, you're operating on incompetence. Mm-hmm. What do you think the pushback would be from bringing this, you know, bringing this um, to light? Uh, you want my honest opinion? Sure. Go ahead. Killings. Killings. Murder. Yeah. Murder. Because you can't stand against the black and white. You see it for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's it's written right there. So being that it would upset the, the flow of economics because the whole economic system is predicated on that fraud, murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The court, <laughs> the court, they couldn't take it into a court and do anything with it. All of the courts have used the 14th Amendment, so they're deemed incompetent. Every last one of them, mm-hmm. they're, they, they're deemed incompetent. So more than likely it would be murder. And how do we know that? There's a case uh, It's called the, uh, oh, man, uh, the uh, Jerome Daly versus First National Bank of Montgomery. I think that's the name of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1969, the the uh, the Credit River the Credit River Township decision, and it was uh, done by a justice of the peace. And they had a jury and everything, and there was a guy who was an attorney who was going against the bank, and he had challenged the bank on the fraud of the loan. Mm-hmm. Well, he ended up winning the case, even though it was, it was done by a justice of the peace. But the justice of the peace made his ruling based upon the Constitution. And yeah. the, the thing dealing with the port, uh, 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 gold and silver and all of that type of stuff is a pretty interesting case. But uh, by him making that ruling, he was he was killed six months later. The judge was. Wow. They killed him. Yeah. Then they found his body in a lake, uh, shot full of poison. Wow. Yeah, they killed him. And then they got the case into the... Uh, think the federal district court and uh they overturned the case uh and Jerome Daly was disbarred but this is what we're dealing with man people do not deal with law I tell them all the time I tell people that all the time the democracy doesn't deal with law in hell they don't even have a constitution the democracy doesn't have a constitution you can't <laughs> adopt the constitution for the United States of America why because democracy is not written anywhere in it. You've got to go by the letter of the law in regards to the contract. Mm-hmm. So they try to say a democratic republic. No, 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 you can't say that because 
that's not part of the terms, conditions, stipulation, and agreement of the contract known as Constitution for the United States of America. Uh, it's in black and white. It's a republic. <clears throat> so no matter how you try to spin it, they don't have a constitution. Mm-hmm. So they operate by the what they call the law of the gun. And there's a maxim of law, but we have dictionary law, 1856, that states, laws are silent amidst arms. I'll say it again. Laws are silent amidst arms. Basically what they're saying is, yeah, I see the law, and I know what it says, but I got this pistol, so who's the law? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how it's run, man. You know? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then you got these people running around screaming that, you know, this is a democracy. You can't do that, fool. You just keep giving them power. You speak You speak your power away. You talking your power away. So... Uh-huh. They abolished the 14th Amendment. Let's say they go ahead and abolish the 14th Amendment in regards to the birthright citizenship. Well, you can't grandfather a fraud. You can't go back and say uh, <laughs> these group of people, except for these people born in, you cannot predicate a clause on a fraud. If it's void ab initio, you have nothing to anchor it on. So now what is that going to do? For Europeans, Caucasians, they're calling themselves white. Well. White was a British Parliament statutory creation shortly after Bacon's Rebellion. So they don't even know that they're putting themselves right back up underneath the crown. They're putting themselves right back up underneath the crown. Black was a British uh, Parliament statutory creation as well. Mm -hmm. So by these people using these terms, they don't even realize, man, that you're calling yourself crown property. So that means you have to have a nationality. Europeans, they got to have a nationality. They're scared of nationality because why? Because it's going to tell exactly where you're from. Not just American. No, Scottish American, Irish American, Italian American, uh, Danish American, uh, uh, Norwegian American, uh, uh, Swedish American, uh, et cetera, et cetera, English American, you know. So you're going to have to have a nationality. The only ones who are the dangerous people of the land would be those that's called Moors. Now, those that want to stay Indian, they try to say, well, we was Indians before we was Moors. I, I see that foolish argument as well. They need to learn Latin and read the dumb diversus because I pointed that out several times on Facebook too. Indian comes from Latin, and they Dios, mm-hmm. meaning without God. In Spanish, it's called Los Indios, the godless. Later on, shortened to Indios. But in, in later on, anglicized to Indian. But it's inception, it's in Dios, Latin, without God. Wow. So that's in the Dumb Diversus and the Romanus Pontifex and all of those type things. That's why I said, when you go to these lands, they said they're to be treated as heathens because they're in Dios, they're without God. Now, now it tells you why a lot of our people, our ancestors were put to the sword when, when the, uh, the Spanish came over here. Mm-hmm. They were carrying out the Romanus Pontifex and the dumb, uh, dumb diversion. Reduce them to slavery. They have no rights to property. Do with them as you will because they're outside of the grace of God. 
Yeah. Paper bull. So, Sene Dios to Los Indios, the Indios to Indians. You, right. you see what I'm saying? Yeah, for everybody out oh. there that's, you know, trying to claim that tribal status and run with it, I mean, I hope you're listening. All of this can be linguistically researched and confirmed. Of course, you have to have some understanding of that. Yeah, you know, definitely. You know, and, uh, you know, I think the most I created the heavens and earth, you know, that my mom, she made the sacrifice, you know, to send me to private school where that was part of my education, Latin 1 and 2. I took that for two years. Yeah, me too. Okay, okay. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's best if you're going to go with anything is to align yourself, you so me, with the claim of Hanno. Mm-hmm. Because they got they put landmarks all over this place, man. The Punic Iberian Canaanite Phoenician Carthaginian. Phoenicians the Phoenicians were nothing but a conglomerate of Ugarites, Southern Hittites, uh Moabites, Amorites, uh, uh those people in the eastern Mediterranean <laughs> who became very good at seafaring. Mm-hmm. Uh they later, uh, uh, yeah, the Canaanites, uh, later on, they became known as the Carthaginians, Carthadas, Carthadas. They founded Carthage. Okay, Carthage later on settled uh, Iberia. They became known as the, uh, the Punic Iberians. Punic comes from uh, Tunisium. Tunisium is nothing but Phoenician. Same group of people who later on, who had uh, uh, colonized Morocco as early as the Phoenician expedition and had annexed it underneath uh, their later kinsmen or their later descendants, uh, the Carthaginians. So Morocco came out of that empire. They're a trust baby. They are a trust baby in regards to the land. If, anything, if anybody know about a trust fund baby, that's what Morocco is. It's a trust fund baby. They inherited the land of their heirs or the interests of their heirs. Mm-hmm. You know, now you so me can never supersede you sanguinous. You know, we've been here for hundreds thousands of years, as you saw earlier in the conversation. I walked mm-hmm. you all the way down for millions of years, all the way down to 40,000 years ago. Yeah. You, you follow what I'm saying? So yeah, well, if mm-hmm. you so me can never supersede you sanguinous. You so me operates in regards to uh, nations and empires uh, as they go into other lands. Who actually, man, has a claim on this land? So that's how those calling themselves Indians really need to do their research to protect themselves. No, it's not just a value of you sanguineous heritage. That's in your blood. Yeah. You know, but for your international protection, when you're dealing with other nations or nation-like constructs, you need to protect yourself in a nation-like manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people are missing out on that, what you just said. Yeah. So, and who's the trust fund, baby? Morocco. Yeah. Wow. People say, well, we stay away from the Bible and all of that. That's not that's not wise either because nobody drop me said, don't throw away those Bibles. I mean, you can condemn the government. Well, if you look at the Pontotox LA that was found in Oklahoma, just west of me, Pontotox, L.A., uh, has Psalms 
one it has it has almost an exact transcription uh in regards to translation, I think it's a Psalms one oh two or one oh four in the Bible. Wow. And yeah, they I found this over here with Hebrew in it. I believe they found yeah. it right here where I'm at in Ohio. In yeah, Ohio. man. This place is marked up. Yeah. It is marked up. You hear me? Mm-hmm. The land, if we, if we want to get straight with it, the land is tatted up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> tatted up. Uh-huh. You know? So, and that's from here to South America, South America. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. the Pontotoc says when Baal, Baal rises in the east, talking about the sun, the animals or the beasts are pleased. And when Baal hides his face, it said uh, uh, they're displeased. You got to go in there and read. Uh, huh? Can you spell that? Yeah, Pontotoc still a P O N T O T O C S T E L E. Yeah, P is in Papa, O is in Oscar, N is in November, T is in Tango, O is in Oscar, T is in Tango, O is in Oscar, C is in Charlie. Yeah, Pontotoc still a S is in Sierra, T is in Tango, E is in Echo, L is in Lima, E is in Echo. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And it's around about a thousand BC. Approximately I think the age of that that uh uh stella is about a thousand BC, so about what's that about three thousand some years since three thousand some years ago. Yeah, you said that was in Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. And it has a Bay and L on it. Yeah. <laughs> Bay L. When Bay L rises in the east. Wow. Yep. They also have Anubis caves there. In the panhandle of Oklahoma. Yeah. The cave of Anubis. Anubis Cave. <laughs> yeah, I heard Yeah, we talked the summer solstice. Yeah. Yeah, the very solstice point. It has Argham script, too, which is another one of our ancient writings. Argham. Argham script. So, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just asked when you're done. So uh, basically, that's how you need to put yourself underneath those international protections in regards to you solely. Which it does, you know, people say, well, you are more, you're negating your trap. No, I'm not. You know, I'm still, I'm still, you know, Chata, Chiksa, Shikasha, you know, Wishashakun, and Aniyangwi. It's not negating my tribes. I know who I am. But I understand the land claim and the protections because. I understand how it went in regards to the days of the Bible when Rome had conquered uh, Yisrael and Caesar ordered a, a census. Mm-hmm. He told them he sent a census throughout the land, you know, to, for the people to be counted. You know, so Yeshua, when he had come of age, you know, he had gone back in and, and told his people, man, don't forget, man, we're the Israelites. We're the house of Israel. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you and real Rome may be over our land right now, but you're not Roman. You know, you don't do as they do. You know, you're you're Yisraelite. You know, so Yusoli Yeshua Hamashiach, he was born underneath the jurisdiction of the Roman Empire. He would be Roman, but you sang with us. He was a Yisraelite Moabite. Yeah, same thing. That's where we are today. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Uso Lee. We're uh, Pentagon Bearing, Carthaginian, Phoenician, Canaanite, uh, Trust Fund, Baby Moroccan. That's who we are. You singleness with the various tribes. And even older than that, because when you go to the languages of these tribes, a lot of them have a, 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 a Canaanite uh, uh, Paleo-Hebrew uh, linguistic stock and various other stocks, too, you know, Arabic, uh, 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 some uh, West African dialects, you know. Yeah. But to go even older than that, now you're looking at the Melanesians, the Papuan, the Orangasli, the Malays, the Atas, the Jarawa, uh, 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 the Mons, and those various Southeast Asian and Oceanian people that had come over here around about 70,000 years ago, you know. Uh, but we, like I said, we've been on the land far older than that, and I've walked you all the way down 3.5 million years ago, 5 million years ago down in South America. So, yeah. you know, so... You know, this is a this is this is a deep, deep, in depth understanding of you sanguineness and you so Yeah. You know. So well, go ahead though, brother. Yeah. Go ahead with you. You might have started something earlier when you said Fed stories, you know? Because uh <laughs> it's something that we, we we could all relate to, you know, it's so many things that we experience, you know, when people see us in our true um nature, like, you know, see us yeah. um, like I mean, for real, like, we've all been through a lot of stuff that, you know, confirms it even further in our minds of who we are. But um, what I was going to ask, you know, like, yeah, we might have to run that back at at another date, man, just go in on that. But um, what I was going to ask is, like, what are your thoughts on the 2020 census is coming up, you know, talking about how they're going to let black and white people um basically go further in on who they are, describing who they are, instead of just putting black and white. So what what are your thoughts on that? They're basically telling them they want you to proclaim your nationality. They're, they're going to have to do away with that 14th Amendment, man. If they don't get rid of the 14th Amendment, the national debt is going to continue to rise. The national debt is directly hinged on the 14th Amendment through the federal debt as authorized by the law shall not be questioned. If they don't get rid of the 14th Amendment, the national debt will continue to rise until it breaks the back of the corporate structure. If they do disavow the 14th Amendment based on fraud, all contracts hinged on that fraud go away as well. The debt disappears automatically. Automatically. Now we have to go into equity. Okay, the law says that this was fraud ab initio, so therefore the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 and all of that is void ab initio. It's void. All right. The Fed may say, well, we gave you money. Now the equity side kicks in. What money? Yeah. You gave me credit. You didn't give me any gold and silver. As a matter of fact, you robbed me. You stole the gold and silver. Let's account for it. Let's open up the vaults of uh, the Federal Reserve Bank in New York and see do you have the people's gold, which, of course, they don't. It's gone. Yeah. You know, Fort Knox is gone, you know. Mm-hmm. So now the equity side kicks in. Uh, if the Fed tries to enforce the debt through equity, you never gave anything in the first place. So to even get equity, Maxim Malawi said, he who comes, 
he who wants equity must do equity. He receives equity must do equity. And not only that, uh, it says you got to come with clean hands. And it says a worker of iniquity shall not receive equity. So a worker of evil can't receive equity. A wrongdoing can't receive equity. There's no equity in wrongdoing. So the Fed is just, they'll be lost. There'll, there'll be a lost cause. But in order to save and try to return to the republic, there's a couple of things that has to happen first. They got to destroy that 14th Amendment. That's number one. And then number two, they owe a big apology to about 60 million of our people whom they placed underneath that 14th Amendment, and they was able to get them there through the Confiscation Act of 1861 and the Dred Scott versus Sanford case, you know, let them man get their remedy by proclaiming their nationality. Then they have to pay the empire what they owe. And they have to pay, the empire has to pay the American Aborigine for what it owes through its collection as trusteeship from the United States of America. So there's a couple of factors that have to, to happen. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 14th Amendment needs to be destroyed. That wipes out the federal debt. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Republic uh, uh, needs to uh, do a formal apology for what it did to our people, robbing them of their nationality and deceiving them through material misrepresentation, false misrepresentation, underneath the illusion of that 14th Amendment as being citizens, because we still suffered under Jim Crow, okay? Uh, let them return back to Egypt of the West, as Abraham Lincoln has stated in his speech, which is nothing but returning back to who you are in regards to being the de jure owners of the land. We call it Egypt of the West because of all the mounds, Okay? Then pay the empire, who King Muhammad VI is still currently trustee of, though people don't want to acknowledge that. Well, that's the kingdom that has nothing to do with over here. Morocco built the first church on the land, okay? Mm-hmm. And in Cucaponset uh, uh, Forest, Connecticut. Y'all heard me talk about this several times. Yeah. Around about 450 to 480 A.D. And also, man, the Bible was brought over here. More than likely, it was an Ethiopian Coptic Bible. But the land is known as Askul Shamal. It's in Hosma, Rock, and Pickwick, Morocco, okay? Mm-hmm. So they're the trustees of this land as it received from the Carthaginian Empire. So they would have to make restitution to the king for him, for him to pay us over here. They have to operate as the true trust was, was established. And they have to also, man, pay back everything that they owe since 1787. So they're about 231 years behind. In payments. <laughs> yeah. 231 years behind. And they have to also account for the inflation. They have to account for the inflationary adjustment rate. Hmm. Yeah. So you're saying like with the with the 2020 census, this is kind of like preparation for the abolishment or the doing away of the whole 14th Amendment. In my opinion, it would seem so. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. And, man, I, I just want to take a second to um, remind everyone to go to obashangol.com, O-B-A-S-H-A-N-G-O-L.com. Definitely check out his OneDrive. I've never seen anything like this. Like, the brothers put in a lot of work. It's a library, basically, with 
all types of documents and libraries. It's it's basically filled with books and information pertaining to us, documents, templates, you know, for how to proclaim your nationality. And, I mean, it's just like a lot of work and research went into this. So it's got everything pertaining to Moorish Americans on there. And if I'm leaving anything out, of course, you can correct me. But I think everybody needs to check that out. And um, also <clears throat> give the brother a donation because he put in a lot of work. So you need to go there, go to the OneDrive, and also hit that donation button on the site. And, um, yeah, I, I, you didn't have anything further to say. I wanted to ask you another question. Um, no, you hit the head on the site, and I do appreciate your, uh, your visiting my site and my donations as well. I really thank you, people. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you something. I, I was just looking at the um, one of the files that you have on there. If you're on the obashangol.com site, there's a file on there. It's codenamed The Kraken. And one of them, I'm, I'm just looking at it right now. And um, when you were going in, you were talking about that Alabama senator who um, uh, I think Scott Beeson, like a couple years back, we got the, you know, um, media-friendly version of what went down where there was like a FBI sting and he um, slipped up and referred to the um, African-Americans, you know, as aborigines or aboriginals, okay? Uh -huh. And, um, yeah, we just got the glossed-over version of that, but come to find out, you did a little research. The brother had a degree in geology, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you could go in on that for the people that's listening. Yeah, uh, the, of course, that's the study of the earth, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, his background was you know, was in geology before he became a senator. Uh, but before I do that, let me say this. On that 2020 census, people need to understand exactly what they're doing because they're letting you self-identify. So make sure you self-identify correctly. If you're born within the dominion, of the Canaanite, Phoenician, Carthaginian, Punic, Iberian, Al-Moroccan Empire, you are Yusoli, more, or what they call, uh, 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 what they would call a Moroccan more. Not the kingdom of Morocco, you know, and it's just going to allow you to explain, then you can put that. You know, you can put indigenous more, indigenous American more, because they already know that, that this is according to the treaty when they were putting the treaty together in 1787, uh, they kept calling the people Marican, Marican. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They was they was they was putting that in the treaty. You can go to uh, Yale University Law Library and read the treaty and all of the documentation associated with it. They was calling you Marican, basically the people of, you know, America or Morocco, Marican. So. You need to make sure that you mark it right. You know, we are we are we are indigenous American Moors. You know, we're not we're not African Americans. We're not Negro. That's an adjective, a Spanish adjective at that. We're not black. That's an English adjective. You know, we're indigenous American Moors. Yep. Even even American is even American by itself, contrary to popular belief, is an adjective. Dove or pertaining to the Americas, wow. you know. So, uh, where we are, Indigenous American Moors. And if you want to go even deeper into your tribes, you can put your tribal affiliation. If they're going to allow you to self-identify, and if you got enough room to write that, 
If not, you can have a document already prepared up and give it to the census taker. But in my opinion, if you have your own clan, tribe, nation, or whatever, you should be doing your own census if your status is correct as a more. Yes. yes. Because that census is attached to, quote, unquote, the democracy. The democracy is counting its heads of cattle. That's what it's doing. It's like a farmer counting heads of cattle. Mm-hmm. So if you have your own clan, tribe, nation, <clears throat> you should be taking your own census for your own record. Yeah. And then if, if you, what you want to do is draft up a document to show, hey, this is the census of who we are, mm-hmm. then you can send that to the census department so they'll have a copy of it. You don't necessarily have to fill out their census. How do I know? Because I didn't do it in 2010. I wrote the head of the census department, which I think came under the Department of Labor, no, Department of Commerce or something like that. One of them, I can't remember. It was in 2010 when I wrote them. And uh, when the census taker had come back, I, cause I told him, I'm not signing it. And there's nothing on there dealing with me. Yeah. I'm an indigenous American woman, man. I descend from Mound Building. Mm-hmm. When I wrote the head, I sent the correspondence there. I told him if I'm incorrect, I said, this document is fraud. And I told him why it's fraud. I said, if I'm incorrect, please respond within 10 days, 10 working days, business days. Yeah. Of course, there was no response. So when the census taker came back, I gave him a copy of the correspondence, all of the mail evidence and everything, and I said, take this to your, your census uh, leader up there in Morrison and let them know. Never heard from him again. Yeah. That was the end of it. Wow. So, you know, you should be taking doing your own census, but if you're an individual out there, and you're just now coming into the knowledge, and you're not confident enough on drafting these writs and everything, and you're just waking up to who you are, then if you want to fill it out, make sure you do it correctly, and, man, putting yourself here. Here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, connecting you to the land, yeah. Connecting you to the soil, mm-hmm. you know. Now, that's under you solely. You can do that because you're born here. So now as far as you saying with us, that gets into genetics and DNA and all of that. But you're born here. So now back to Scott Beeson. If you have a degree in geology and you worked out in the field, your sister or your companion studies are uh, paleontology, archaeology, things of that nature. So you know there's going to be some crosstalk. There's going to be some crosstalk in regards to these di- different fields of what was found and who found what. Not only that, he's a senator. Not only that, more than likely, probably a mason. Yeah. So he knows. And uh, what had happened was uh, he let a Masonic secret slip. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. So I'm quite sure he's found arrowheads, spear points. All of these type of things, you know, in Alabama, you know, and had them dated. You know, hey, I found this, man. Hey, while I was out in the field doing some work, can you take a look at that? Yeah, sure, I'll look at it. They take it to the lab. They do their study. Hey, man, you know what you found was 30,000 years old, 40,000 years old? So he already knows that, okay, these people that they're calling Indians, Mongoloid stock, weren't even over here yet, you know? So he's able to deduce, logically deduce, 
who we are. Yeah. You know, and he has access to his Masonic Lodge library that has pictures of us, you know, when they first saw us when we came over here, you know, mm-hmm. very melanated, you know, things of that nature. So he knew we were a board gene. He just wasn't supposed to go public with that. Yeah, yeah. Because for you to do that, now you're bringing up a land ownership issue. And we lose power. Yeah. If these people wake up on a massive scale as to who they are. Mm-hmm. So that's why they burned him. That's why they chastised him like they did. Yeah. And, like, I, I've seen that just from being out. Like, you know, like, I, I've seen, you know, on more than one occasion with, like, Shriners, you know, or, you know, people who've been in the lodge for a long time actually have some knowledge um, of European descent. They'll speak openly when they see that you're a Moor, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Because they, they can't speak about it to anyone else. Nope. You know? Especially not out of the lodge. Yeah. Nope. The, like, yeah, the, I was, yeah. The, the sword is over their head. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And um, but yeah. If I if I may, I have a question from uh somebody online. Uh, Aaron Thomas Bay. He asked um if you could speak more on um Prince Uriel Bay's life, like his life works, and um the the nation or the organization. Um, I I bought the um, the consecrated talisman pretty much off of your recommendation, and I haven't had a chance to really dig into it yet. But um, if Man. you could please um, go in on that and maybe um, let everyone know why this is important or why the documents within it are important. Maybe why every more should have a copy. Okay. First and foremost, man, I want to give uh, honors to you know. Noble Drew Ali, you know, who brought us, you know, the reminder of who we are, you solely, uh, as well as, you know, uh, reminding us, hey, you have a nationality. I want to give honors to C.M. Bay, you know. I want to give honors to Empress Verdiasi. I want to give honors to Prince Uriel Bay. Uh, I think ultimately I don't really didn't, I don't really know the inner workings of the Kingdom of Edmordium like that. Uh, Prince Uriel Bay's knowledge was brought to me back in, I want to say, the spring of 2012, 2012. And uh, it was brought to me uh, by a good friend named Kadir L. Bay. And he said that, man, you remind me of the prince. I said, well, who's the prince? You know, the guy that uses a lot of Latin in his work. And I said, man, I'll be looking at your documents. And he said, you have Latin maxims and all of that. It's this, that, and the third. And, you know, he said, man, your, your work is very similar. I never heard of him. So I said, well, is he on YouTube? He said, yeah, he has some stuff on YouTube. So he sent me a video, and I watched it. And I was very impressed, man. And over the years, I didn't even know at the time he had any books out in 2012. I wasn't, you know, made aware of that till much later. But when I had gotten uh, his books, a friend of mine that sent me some documents, another friend of mine, uh, Tata Chad, uh, Uriel Bay, very Cleveland Prince Uriel Bay, was very, very close. He's very close, and he sent me some of his works, you know, uh, prior to publishing. And because uh, he said the same thing, he said, man, you remind me of the prince. And I said, well, who was the prince? I mean, who, prince who? Prince 
Did Prince Uriel Bay? I said, oh, yeah, I heard of him. I said, uh, yeah, a friend of mine, uh, Brother Kadir El Bay, turned me on to him back in 2012. He said, man, he said, every time I hear you speak Latin, he said, I hear the prince. I started laughing. So he said, I'm going to send you something. So he sent me some things, and I read it, and I was, I was blown away after that. I had to have his work. But the importance of what Prince Uriel Bay did was he was able to go into those languages and uh, place the born stone and do the geodetic survey by, by blood birthright or by genetic uh, lineage, genealogy of who descended from who, what nation came out of what nation. And when he connected that to the born stone, mm-hmm. and, there's a, and if you go into the OneDrive and you go into the uh, anthropological, archaeological folder, like the first folder. Uh, there's a newspaper article I have from 1975 by Barry Fell and another epigrapher where they was able to translate what was on the Born Stone, and they, they attributed it to Hanno back in 1975. So I have that as part of the OneDrive as well, uh, anthropological, archaeological folder. When I saw that Prince Uriel Bay had done this with the Born Stone and other landmarks from North to South America, I instantly recognized what he had done in regards to creating a shield, a documentary evidence and uh, evidence in stone, a shield in regards to national identity. That's why his works are so important because you can even parallel it with the Bible. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 14, do you have a Bible with you, bro? I uh, don't have it on hand. Oh, uh, okay. Well, you got the Internet. Yeah. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 14, uh, Deuteronomy 27, 17, Proverbs 22, 28, and Proverbs 23, 10. Uh, and United States statutes at large, 96, 12, 11. Public Law 97-280 in regards to the Bible. You can protect your land interest with the Bible in regards to what Prince Uriel Bay had done, dealing with the landmarks. So that's why his works are very important. And if you read Leviticus chapter 25, verse 10, uh, it says, You shall hollow in the 50th year and proclaim jubilee throughout the land, and you shall return every man unto his possession and every man unto his family. Well, the lawful possession of the land belongs to us. So let's, uh, that's the reason why we need his works, because he put the deed of succession in at the Library of Congress, and which a succession means inheritance to the heir or those in the line of descendancy, you know. And he put that in for the Moors, at the Library of Congress uh, Copyright Office, and you can get that, and that's linked directly to that book. Under TXU 1-123-633, it's in that book on the same page where it talks about Kamasukum County, Cape Cod Bay, and the Bornstone and Hanno's uh, uh, Proclamation and Annexation, showing that that book, The Consecrated Talisman, is a legal document, and it is also a biblical document. Now, I'm going to show you why it's a biblical document. Pull up a page, brother. I'm going to give you something to type. All right. I'm ready. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 14. 
And when you read it, or when you get it, read it. All right, hang on one second. All right. Um, <clears throat> do not move your neighbor's boundary stone set up by your predecessors in the inheritance you receive in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Okay. You see, it's talking about boundary stone. Look up Deuteronomy 27:17. Cursed is anyone who moves their neighbor's boundary stone. Then all the people shall say amen. Mm -hmm. All right. Look up Proverbs 22, 28. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. Okay, look up Proverbs 23.10. Do not move an ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless. You see where this is going? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's dealing with land ownership and possession. All right. Now. There's another verse. I can't remember uh, what, what book it's in, but uh, you can Google these words. Let me give you some, uh, some keywords to type in. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Type in Israel, boundary stones, pour out the wrath like water. Israel, boundary stone, pour out the wrath like water. All right, yeah, Hosea 5.10, okay. Read it. Just, just a minute. All right. <clears throat> Hang on a second. Sorry, my... Things go slow. Okay, I will pour out my wrath on them like a flood of water. Uh, okay. Okay, read, read the, pre the yeah, five verses. Yeah. The princes of Judah were like them that removed the landmarks. Therefore, I will pour out my wrath upon them like water. <laughs> you see what it's saying? Uh-huh. So how sacred our boundary stone? Very yeah. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. You're going to receive so, the anger, yeah, the fury. Thank you. That's why America's, yeah. exactly, America's already doomed to fail. Not America, but the, the Yusufruk, the Yusufruk Trust, it failed, and the democracy is going to fail. It's doomed to fail. Why? Because they destroyed our mounds. Yeah. With the boundary stones as well, landmarks. Mm -hmm. And they won't they 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 won't tell the truth about although they have it in secret they have the truth written in secret that that the, the born stone is Carthaginian Punic Iberian in origin but they won't tell the truth about who the people are over here that set that stone. Mm 
we're the ones, our ancestors set that stone because we had their blood coursing through our veins as well. So what you've done was you removed the people. You removed the people from the land. You didn't move the boundary stone, but you removed the people from the boundary stone. Yeah. Which is, which is just as guilty. You made us fatherless, as the scriptures say, and motherless, you know, made us motherless and fatherless. Exactly. So there, there's a wrath coming up on the end that they cannot avoid. Uh-huh. And then hiding yep. the images in front of us. Like, have you ever heard of the Black Pyramid, of, uh, the Black Pyramid of the Sun? It's a stone, like, pyramid that's about 10, 12 inches big. It looks just like the one on the, the U.S. dollar on the one dollar bill. Uh, found in Ecuador. In yeah, I wrote about yeah I, I, yeah in okay, 1984. Okay, so you already yeah, I wrote, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah I wrote I wrote about yeah I wrote about that in the first uh, yeah I wrote about that in the first part of the crack and I wrote about that in the crack in part one. Yeah. Yeah. So that that yeah. yeah for those that don't know that 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 stone pyramid has the 13 steps on it. And then the eye of Horus at the top, and that was yep, found exactly. in Ecuador, and it, it yep. goes under black light. Then it has a script on it on the bottom that, that they found yeah, all that, over the world. Yeah, they say it's pretty Sanskrit, but it's not. I looked at the glyphs. The glyphs are very akin to ancient Canaanite Paleo Hebrew. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's actually people who've translated it. So. Yeah, and not only that, they took it to the uh, the Berbers. North Africa, Tamazic, and they was able to read the script. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's correct. So yeah, it is two thousand years older than any known civilization down there in South America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I wrote about that in the Kraken, in the Kraken Part One of Pyramid. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely gonna have to check. Now, CM Bay, CM Bay, exposed that as the master key of civilization forty years before they even found it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That same pyramid. Yeah. We talked about it forty years before they even found it in Ecuador. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh my homie Aaron Thomas Bay has a had another question too. Um Well it it was still in it looks like it okay, it's still in in alignment with Prince Prince Uriel Bay just Asking if his his nation society is still operational. That I don't know. That I don't know. Uh, I know there have been people that have been trying to get in touch with them. Uh, one of the brothers who was a part of Edmorium had reached out to me maybe about oh four months ago, maybe five months ago, somewhere in there, and uh, he was congratulating me on uh, you know getting some of the work. Prince Uriel Bay had put in place for us, he said, because the corporate, uh, you know, the corporate uh, democracy is making it very difficult, man, where people can't even get his works that they filed up there. And there was a more who had written into the U.S. Department of State to get a copy of what he filed, and they told him, no, we, we're not giving it to you. Wow. So he, he commended me on being able to get some of his work. You know, uh, uh, I honestly think, man, that the beloved Prince met with foul play. I think there was foul play. Uh, from what I've been able to glean from the situation in regards to his death, uh, uh, it, it sounds very much like foul play. Yeah. You know, uh, 
which which you know doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me, you know. So with that, uh, you know, information, that's all I can really say about his organization. You know, I do know that uh, he's here in spirit. This I do know, and uh, I was doing some divination and was able to make contact with him. Okay. Yeah. I was able to make contact with him. So would you say that the the consecrated talisman, like the one that, that you can get off of Amazon, is there information missing out of that? Like um, the same homie, he, he had asked if um, if you know where he could obtain the consecrated talisman of the Moorish American Society of Comprehensive Science. Is that different than the consecrated talisman of Salma Gundy that, that you can get on like on Amazon? Uh, it is. It goes into a little bit. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, it's funny that you ask about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to tell you a little bit more about that off off uh, line. That's that's pretty much some uh, you know private conversation information. Oh yeah, but, it's not for YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. 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 Okay. That's but I will say that. Uh, it is obtainable. Uh, it's just very, very, very difficult to obtain mm-hmm. if you want it from the Library of uh, Congress Copyright Office. Okay. Yeah, we can mm-hmm. do it on that offline. And um, let's see. Uh, I had another question. Uh-huh. The consecrated talisman of Sal Magundi is a legal document. It says so right on the back of the book on the back page, and it's a legal document because it, it, it's directly connected to the Bible, yeah. 96, 12, 11, and the boundary stone, the landmark. So it's a legal document. Okay. All right. Now, I wanted to ask you a question about, like, profane, pro, excuse me, proclaiming your nationality and uh, as mm-hmm. far as, like, securing your land. Have you done so, or would you say, like, doing this process is more so, like, for your children, for, you know, for your... Um, you know, for future generations. Have like, I proclaimed my benefits? Um, you know, from like securing your land. You know, have you been able to do this to secure your estate, or would you say that like this is like you know, this is something you're doing for your for your um. Well, as far as as far as as far as far as the future generations, yes. You know, uh, as far as the land, the land is yours by blood. Now, if you ask me, have I done a land patent or anything like that? No, I haven't done any land patents. The land is already yours. You know, you just have to man make notice to the proper uh, authorities who you of who you are. And I give you an example of uh, a young lady in my clan, and uh, she's employed by the state, by the corporate state of Arkansas. She's employed by them, mm-hmm. and. Uh, when she had gone to human resources, they tried to give her a hard time about, well, the state is not going to allow you to not pay taxes and this, that, and the third. And she took her proclamation up there, modial permit, and uh, she said, well, that's not your call. You send it to the higher-ups. They, they have to make that call. So they said, well, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll send it, you know, Caucasian woman. I'll send it. I'm just letting you know that more than likely it's going to come back denied, blah, blah, blah. She sent her documentation up there, headquarters of the state. State came back down. This woman is not to pay any state or federal taxes. Wow. 
None. So he's still employed by the state. Uh, these people know, man. They already know what's yours. There's a maximum of law that states. Black Law Dictionary, 4th edition, revised, 1968. Uh, Movie Dictionary Law, 1856. The right of blood and kindred cannot be destroyed by any civil law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I have another question for you, too, because, like, you're in Arkansas, right? You just said yeah. you're in Arkansas. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, uh, uh, well, as, as we say, uh, Arkansas, or as the clans say, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. which is Washington proper, yeah. All right, yeah. cool. So, I, yeah, I grew up in Memphis, so I want to ask a question for, like, all the family and friends in that, yeah. in that area, like in the Mid-South, because yeah. um, people, like, hit up the Moors in America website asking about, you know, what they can do. People who are on the information, you know, are looking for uh, remedies, looking for, you know, what they can do like whether there's a temple or people, there's no one that I can really send them to is I know there's no temples in the area. And then um, just like you were saying earlier with people who are like out here informing people, you know, to like utilize the 14th Amendment. So there's like no one trustworthy, you know, really that I could send them to. So I'm wondering like, do, um, do you have like an organization or something set up, you know, for people in that area out there near you? You know, is there anything that um, we could share with the family? Um. Basically, what I established on that site was for self-study, you know, mm-hmm. self-edification uh, of yourself. Uh, but as far as holding classes and things of that nature, no. But I, I do, I do, uh, I will travel and do lectures. You know, I've had a lot of people as far as California, as California, Florida, Connecticut, Ohio, uh, next door Texas. Uh, Washington State, uh, where else, man, uh, Virginia, uh, you all over the country. Pennsylvania, some everywhere, man, they actually come and teach, okay. you know, come, and, uh, come and do a lecture. I just hadn't had time because I'm putting some final bricks in the wall for myself uh, to get us a proper private operating uh, uh, financial uh, institution where if your documentation is correct, then we'll be able to assist you in uh, getting commerce going. So I've been busy doing that, finishing that up. But once I'm done, then I'll be free to navigate a little bit, you know, to go to these places and deliver this knowledge and assist people. But as far as a temple in this area, uh, there is a temple, but I cannot vouch as to exactly what they teach. You know, I, I haven't attended it. Uh, some people and some things in there, I'm in disagreement. I'm not going to put them out online like that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of what I have learned, you know, was, was on my own. You know, was on my own. So uh, I would suggest that people uh, form study groups, mm-hmm. you know, I would suggest that they form study groups, and that way uh, they can cover information. They can cover uh, 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 more ground a lot faster than than being on your own. You know, I had to do it. You know, I was on my own, you know, for a number of years. I had a study partner, but he had taken ill, 
and uh, he wasn't able to, you know, continue his studies with me. So a lot of this I had to, you know, study on my own. I was on my on my own for a number of years, man. But mm-hmm. study group will help you gain a way more ground in a lot shorter time span. Yeah. That's what I suggest for people. If there is no temple in your area, not only that, number two, the vast majority of the temples are not going to teach you this information that I'm sharing uh, on the, on uh, on this call today. They're not going to do it. Yeah. You know, the number one, maybe they don't know it. Number two, you know, we have to be honest, man, that all organizations have been infiltrated, man. They have been backdoor negotiation stage. Now, am I saying that about every temple? No. But am I speaking about individuals? Quite possibly. You know, even some of these quote-unquote L's and bays, you know, have been infiltrated that may have been doing stretches in the penitentiary long yards of time, and they uh, somebody came to them, pulled their coattail, hey, if you go in and cause dissension, we'll cut your time short and let you out. You know, so, you know, we have to be careful with all that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. That's pretty much in alignment with what um, Brother Taj Tariq has said, too, when we talked to him earlier on this the same uh, channel. Um, <coughs> he was pretty much just advising everybody, like, hey, you know, okay, yeah, go into the temple, but study, you know? And even yeah. when you go in, still study. Like, you, you can't go in, you know, blind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And there's still a lot of work to be done for the most part. Yeah, it is. So... Uh, you know, with that being said, if you really want it and if you really want to know this stuff, you know, as I know it, because everything I'm giving you, I don't have any screen in front of me. This is just off the dome. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you can you can know it. The universe will give it to you. Mm-hmm. You just got to be open to receive it and claim it. Yeah. That's it. Wow. Yeah, so that that just brings it back home. Like, remember that the brother is not reading right now or looking at a screen. He's sharing his wealth of information off the dome, okay? So definitely go to overshargol.com. We'll have the link in the description. Um, If you have anything else to share, please go ahead. I really don't have any more questions for now. Okay, well, uh, let's take some uh, questions from your audience. Um, all right, hang on. Yeah, we we don't have any more questions right now. <laughs> <That's a wild. laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, well, I guess that's we a good thing. I guess I, if you I guess it, I, we can run it back at a later date. Okay. Well, I guess I guess uh I guess I must have covered a lot of ground, huh? <laughs> now, this was a powerful build. What I will say is this, um, you shared a lot of information, and there's a whole lot more that you can't even speak on because, you know, time constraints and everything. So share all your information with people, how they can get in touch with you, um, not just the website, but also how they can email you, like you said, for lectures and, um, you know, bringing you out to speak. And um, just share everything now, and um, if we can, we'll run this back. Okay. Well, the best way to reach me, uh, I'm not on Facebook as regular as I used to. I normally get on there maybe once, twice a day, sometimes maybe three. I check my notifications, check my messages, and, you know, I dip on out. But the best way to reach me is through my website, 
Uh, my email address is on the site. And, uh, you know, just uh, you guys, if you got uh, any questions or concerns, you know, you can uh, reach me there. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, as long as it's not too in-depth, you know, uh, if it's very in-depth, then, you know, I do consultations. You can uh, set a consultation from the website. Uh, just, you know, compensate me in for my time, and we can go from there. But everything is pretty much primarily driven to my site. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So, now, uh, if you got anything in particular you want to talk about, brother, I, I, see, I, know, you have, I know you got some questions. You probably just can't think of them right now, but... Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm still in kind of in family mode right now because uh, the the wife isn't here, so it's just me. We have five children, so yeah, oh, okay. I'm about to go check on the house, make sure everything ain't falling apart. But, um, okay, you know, it's uh, yeah. deal with you, brother. Man, I say I received that. Uh, yeah, I will say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an eleven step process on there. Once you go to my website, you can click on the red tab. Directly below my picture, it says Obashango Wells Method. Uh, if you choose, uh, you know, you want us to do, you know, your proclamation paperwork, you know, whatever, or if you do your own, we can assist you with that, you know. Uh, we have the geneticists there. Uh, we have, uh, uh, um, uh, I do bonds and whatnot, silver, things of that nature. Uh, if you need assistance with any of that, you can reach out to us. If you're capable of doing it yourself, or hey, more power to you. Uh, I will say this. Get the documents under seal. Get the documents under seal. Get the 14th Amendment congressional records uh, document dealing with the 14th Amendment under seal. Get the Georgia State Archives document under seal. Get the 1787-1836 treaty. Constitution and the Bill of Rights under seal, and there's a list of the documents as well that you can get under seal that you'll need for uh, dealing with these uh, de facto officers. So, uh, you know, when you're dealing with these people, one thing I learned from Prince Uriel Bay, he said you want to get the documentation under seal, and you always want to get it under seal. So, you know, I would strongly suggest that, you know. Get it on. Get the documentation on the seal when you're dealing with these people. And some of the uh, benefits of having these documents on the seal, I'll tell you a story uh, about a good uh, friend of mine. He's a Moor as well. <coughs> He's with the American clan of Moors down in Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in 2016, he uh, had a, he had his daughter. His daughter was born. Of course, she was born in a hospital down there in Texas. And uh, what had happened was they tried to force the birth certificate and the Social Security card on the child. Uh So uh, he had said, uh, he called me and he said, man, Mo, they're trying to force my wife to take a birth certificate and a social for the baby, man. What do I need to do? Now, he already had his. 11-step process already done. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, more this is what you can do. I said, uh, what you need to do is you take the treaties in there. You already got them on the seal, 1787, 1836. You take the Constitution in there. 
I said, you got the 14th Amendment documents from Georgia State Archives and the Library of Congress, mm-hmm. and uh, you take that in there, and you take uh, your DNA in there, your genetic descent, because he already had his DNA done. He had his genetic descent done as well, Tyrone Cannon. And you take the rights of indigenous people. So uh, he said, okay, Mo. And I said, what you need to do is speak with the head person. Okay, and I asked him, you know, who knows the law? So he said, okay, more. I'm gonna go home and get these documents. And he said, and I got, and I, and I got them. Take them back up there. I said, okay. So went home. We got the the uh, appropriate documents for the situation. Like I had informed him, he went back to the hospital. <clears throat> and uh, when he walked up in there, he said. Uh, he said, I have a question. Is there anyone here who knows the law? So the head nurse came out. She said, well, I know the law. She said, uh, how can I assist you? She said, well, my wife just had a child, and you're trying to force her to have a birth certificate and social and, you know, for, for, for our child. And I want to show you why we are uh, not obligated to any of that. He said, okay. So he laid out his documentation, started to explain it. So the nurse said, oh, wow, this is above my head. Let me go get the hospital attorney. So they had an attorney on, you know, uh, on the premise. Mm-hmm. So she had gone to get the, uh, the attorney, and then she had come back with the attorney. And the attorney uh, said, well, what seems to be the problem? He said, well, I'd like to explain to you they're trying to get my uh, my daughter, you know, uh, force her to have a birth certificate social or you know, things of that nature, and I'm going to show you why I'm not obligated to any of that. He said, okay. So he laid out all his documentation, boom, 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 boom. Uh-huh. By the time he uh, laid out the documentation and the attorney reviewed it and explained it, and he explained it to the attorney, the attorney reviewed the documentation, and he said, uh, he told the nurse and all the staff, you know what, this guy is right. He's correct. It's us that are outside of the law. Yeah. That's what the attorney told the staff. Wow. They said, uh, what about the birth? He said, he doesn't have to have any of that. If he doesn't want it, he don't have to have it. Mm-hmm. He said, based on this documentation, we're the ones outside the law. <laughs> That's what the attorney told the hospital staff. Yeah. And he said, Social Security card, he said, if he doesn't want any of that stuff, he doesn't have to have it. Wow. They said, uh, so they said, well, would you like vaccination for child? I said, no, I don't want any of that. He said, okay, so... Uh, they gave him a hospital card just showing that the child was born in that hospital. That's it. He walks out with his child. Wow. Yeah. So the attorney admitted it's us that's outside of the law. Now you can, you can, you can, uh, you can, uh, uh, confirm this story. Uh, the brother's on Facebook. His name is Antoine, son of J. Poole Bay. Okay. And uh, we had done his, we had done his documentation paperwork. He followed the eleven steps to the T. You know, and just like uh, the sister I told you about that works for the state. You know, they <laughs> they're, navig- they're navigating on their documentation. So, mm-hmm. uh, another story dealing with the Fourteenth Amendment. Mm-hmm. There were some Moors down here. Uh, who were challenging the attorney general on the long arm statute for the state of Arkansas because the long arm statute is based on the 14th Amendment. 
So uh, he asked the attorney, how are you able to get jurisdiction over people that's not inside your jurisdiction? Mm-hmm. And uh, the attorney general wrote back, well, Arkansas has a long-arm statute, blah, blah, blah. That's how we became jurisdiction. And he said, well, what about this? And he sent them a copy of the congressional records of the 14th Amendment, which I had given him. I gave him uh, yeah. those documents a while ago before he used it, you know, dealing with the state attorney general. And uh, he wanted to do a constitutional challenge, you know, on the long-arm statute. So yeah. when he sent a copy of that congressional record, uh, the state attorney general wrote back and said, I do not wish to litigate. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do not wish to litigate. Basically, I'm tapping out. Mm-hmm. I can't argue against it. Touch that. Yeah. No, because the whole system is predicated on fraud. Yeah. And it will expose everybody because you have to understand if you are a 14th Amendment U.S. citizen, okay, mm-hmm. and you are holding some sort of quote-unquote office, remember what they said in Constitutional Law Reprint for Case Law, Volume 6, and if you go and read American Jurisprudence, Volume 16, Second Edition, Subsection 195, an unconstitutional statute creates no office. So you're not even the officer of the office. You're de facto. And the only way your de facto uh, 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 standing to work on me is if I agree to it, if I accept you. Yeah. But other than that, I don't have to accept your fraud, your fraudulent position. Because if I do, there's a maximum of law that says, he who would be deceived, then let him. He who would be deceived, then let him. That means if I allow you to deceive me, knowingly allow you to deceive me, then there's no injury. Yeah. Because I knew it prior to that. But I chose in my stupidity. That's not even ignorance. That's stupidity and foolishness to deal with you in your fraud. So... These people are dead, man. They are civility more truths. Yeah. Everyone under the 14th Amendment is civility more truths. And then let's even go deeper. We're going to talk about the certificate of live birth. Mm-hmm. Okay? If the various states were created under statutory uh, enactment, and they're spelled with upper and lower case as a proper noun and as, quote, unquote, the uh, the government printing office writing style guide of 2008-2016 says that proper nouns must be spelled like. But your certificate of live birth has all caps letters on it. Yeah. Then what are they doing with it? That's a corporate registration. Mm-hmm. That's a corporate registration. The moment you were put down on that piece of paper, including black, Negro, colored, white, Latino, Indian, or Asian, any colorable application, and the name is all caps as well, that is a corporate registration. 
It has nothing to do with the proper rule of English grammar. It doesn't follow the proper rules of English grammar. And if you read the Department of Defense writing style guide, which I have in the language folder in the OneDrive, it tells you that all capital letters are reserved for the names of ships and military exercises. Yeah. And if you go back to Franklin D. Roosevelt, emergency war power, United States citizens were brought underneath the Trading with the Enemy Act as amended in United States Statutes at Large, Volume 48, Stat 1. It tells you that. So they were made the enemy. And if in his inaugural addresses, Franklin D. Roosevelt asked for emergency war power to deal with the bankruptcy and the Depression. He was granted that by Congress. And you can find evidence of that in the 1933, 1937, 1941, 1945 congressional record. I have that on my website under the section Project Warmco, uh, dealing with the democracy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's under one of the links. You can read it for yourself. So he created a military, a military state. That's what he did, a military Admiralty Maritime State. You know, they actually teach some of this stuff <clears throat> in business school. I don't know if, mm-hmm. uh, if people aren't paying attention or what, but, like, especially what you were saying about how they create corporations and, you know, with your name being in all caps. Like, this, they actually teach this in business school. Well, at least I, I, I learned it in business school. You see? So, yeah, that's crazy. So... They're letting you know state of California, all caps, is not the organic United States statutes at large created state of California, upper and lower case. Mm-hmm. It's not. The upper and lower case deals with a subsidiary geographical trusteeship awarded to the territory, the people of the territory who wanted statehood. Mm-hmm. And when they came in, they agreed to the terms, conditions, stipulations, and agreements known as the contract, which is the Constitution for the United States of America. That deals with the geographical landmass. The all capital letters, state of California, state of Arkansas, state of Tennessee, state of Ohio, that, that is nowhere to be found in the statute. Nowhere. It's a legal fiction. It doesn't exist. So they incorporated you into an Enslegas as an asset. The child was claimed as an asset. Why? Because when they put the race of the father and the race of the mother, 99.9% of the time it's under colorable terms. So therefore, you cannot make contract when you're stability more two. You understand what I'm saying? So when your mother signed that contract, she signed in a dead status. Mm-hmm. And the child automatically gets transferred as an orphan to the corporation. Because the mother is legally dead, the father is legally dead. Mm-hmm. Are you following me? Uh-huh. Yeah. 
And then from there, after the child is registered with the state, then it's reported to the United States with the proper documentation that another asset has come in to subsidize the bankruptcy upon which credit can be predicated, loans can be predicated. So it's a cash cow. Yeah. It's a cash cow situation minus the real money, gold and silver. Mm-hmm. It's a credit cash cow organization and establishment. Wow. And that doesn't matter what your complexion is. You can be alabaster, you know, looking like sheetrock, mm-hmm. all the way down to looking like asphalt. If you are legally dead, you cannot contract. If you agree to that certificate of live birth and a legally dead or a civilator more truth position, you have just given your child away to the state because you cannot inherit property if you're dead. Yeah. You cannot be trustee of property if you're dead. You have nothing else to do with property if you're dead. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, uh, that is a binding contract, you know, because ignorance of the law is no excuse, number one, but it can be refuted through non-full disclosure. You were never given full disclosure as to what you were signing. Yeah. So, and not only that, uh, once a person becomes of age, all they have to do is challenge that in regards to establishment of who they actually are for the record via status. Because now, once they learn about the 14th Amendment, they can disavow it because it's fraud. Fraud vitiates all forms of contract and makes them void ab initio, of which the birth certificate is an adhesion contract to the 14th Amendment under the All Persons Born Clause. Mm-hmm. You with me? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, so... Uh, you know, these things are basically, <clears throat> and being that you've lived under it so long, you have equity tied up in that. Mm-hmm. They owe you damages for living under a fraud. Yeah. So you want your equity, so therefore, man, you can you can take uh, control of the vessel. You don't own it, but you can control it, and you can control it through the treaty. You can control it through the treaty. Why? Because it has equity. Everything that they predicated off of that, all of the accounts, all of the funding that they've done of various black book projects and all of, all of the funds that that thing created, mm-hmm. you know, created because you were the underlying asset. You were the underlying asset of the legal legal fiction that was created on you at birth through the certificate of live birth, which shows proof of registration into a corporation or to and it's legal, legal fiction that has no statutory power whatsoever from Congress or the state. All of the equity that was predicated off of you being the bottom underlying asset, you have an equity in that because if it wasn't for you, none of that could be created. And you, could take, you can take control of that vessel and have a share in the equity. And underneath the Treaty of Peace and Friendship of 1836, you can look at Article 2, 
which deals with uh, if either of the parties shall be at war with any nation, whatever, both parties agree to not take a commission from the enemy nor fight under the colors of the enemy, where the United States fought under the colors of the democracy, which was not a lawful contracting party when it came to the Constitution uh, for the United States of America as it relates to that treaty and, uh, of 1787 and 1836. And uh, they fight under the color of law, and they're supporting the bankruptcy. So they are already in violation of Article 2 of the treaty. Uh, Article 3, uh, if either party shall be at war with any nation, and take a prize belonging to the nation, and there shall be found on board subjects or effects of either party. Then both parties agree to that the subjects shall be set at liberty and their effects restored to them. They have to restore you the equity that you put into that thing known as the illegal, uh, legal fiction, the straw man that was created at birth. You know, so there's a, there's a application of the treaty to that as well. So, you know, that's something that we all need to look at and study a little. Uh, well, I, I have a full comprehension of it, but for those that don't, they need to look at that, you know, and scrutinize that a little bit more with a full comprehension and understanding. And it'll, it'll come to them. It'll make sense. Yeah, I have but, one, uh, one last question. Uh, this is something that may, may need to be answered offline or something, but what do you think? Like we need to do, you know, collectively to like to enforce to enforce that. <clears throat> what I just said. Yes. Well, there's a couple of ways you can enforce. I know I'm going to say something that a lot of people don't agree with, mm-hmm. but uh, people talk bad about the UCC financing statement. They talk bad about it because they don't comprehend it and understand it. That is the only way that the democracy can operate. That's the only way. And if I'm wrong, all they got to do is go to a real estate, just go to the real estate office and look up all the transactions pertaining to banks. I do it all the time. And you will see that banks are securing their equity or their interest in property via financing statements. They do it all. That's on the record here. So here's the thing. Knowing that you're dealing with a corporate entity and you have an interest or share in some assets that they have that rightfully so belong to you, then what you need to do is the administrative process. Mm-hmm. The private administrative process to privately come forward with your claim and prove your claim. And you can write them in and get them into a default position. And then you can record it and make public records. And then you could even go as far as to run it in the newspaper for 30 days, which is common law, mm-hmm. and, then that, and then write them again while it's running in the paper to let them know that you're running your claim public to show everybody that, hey, you owe me and you're a debtor, and if it's not so, you have to correspond with me that what's being ran in the paper is false, which they're not going to do because they didn't answer you prior to you running it in the paper when you did the private administrative process. Then after the 30 days they don't respond, then you close, you close it out with a treaty, and you can do what's called a non-UCC uh, uh, filing. And the reason why you do a non-UCC filing because it'll go hand-in-hand hand with the treaty. United States Statutes at Large, 8 Stat 484 through 487, 
which you can find at UCC 9 311. Mm-hmm. And you put your instrument numbers in there and all your documentation, along with that financing statement where it's filed on the records. You put the affidavit from the newspaper where you ran your claim because they're going to give you an affidavit of publishing, and you close that out in such manner. Okay. And then there are some places who do recognize this common law method. Uh, number one, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway, Hong Kong. Hong Kong, China, they want all debt. Uh And the reason why is because they understand common law. They know what common law debts are. What you created was a common law debt Uh based on the truth and based on the equity that's owed to you. Yeah. If they can verify that this is valid common law-wise, Hong Kong is still on the common law system. You can uh, use it to do business over there. Okay. Yeah, so there's a couple of other places that's based on the common law system. Ghana, as a matter of fact, Ghana is is, is looking to do business with us as well. Uh, South Africa, uh, anywhere where there's common law. Mm-hmm. New Zealand, Australia, a couple of places. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think and uh, the UCC is recognized. UCC is pretty much recognized worldwide. Uh, Canada has their own version. Uh, the Virgin Islands has their own version. The Bahamas, anywhere where England was, uh, New Zealand has it. Australia, a lot of them deal with the UCC. Okay. Yeah. But you want a non-UCC filing based on treaty. And the only reason why you're filing a finance statement with the treaty because we have to understand it's statistically proven that the vast majority of what they say, quote, unquote, Americans are, who are American, people who are American, and I use that term loosely just for uh, common vernacular and dialogue purposes yeah. for this uh, this conversation. We don't have to get into the, the lawful technical term of who's American. We already know that, you know. But just for dialogue purposes, the stat the the the, uh, uh, the stats show that the vast majority of Americans then read on an eighth grade reading level. The yeah. vast majority of people read on an eighth grade reading level. So they don't really understand how to read above that. They don't even understand what is law and what is not. But they do recognize signs and symbols. Yeah. You can take a child down the road and he sees the double arches, he's going to know that's McDonald's. Yeah. Or you see, the, you see the Burger King symbol or you see Exxon. The world operates on signs and symbols. Well, the financial statement has signs and symbols. Anyone look up in the left-hand corner, they see those bars. They know that's a financing statement, and they know something about it that it deals with, quote, unquote, uh, secure, uh, 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 secure transactions. Mm-hmm. So you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. You learn about it because right now that is what the de facto operates off of, and as a matter of fact, under public law 89-719, that deals with the uh, 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 the priority of lien in regards to the uh, the Federal Tax Lien Act, Federal Tax Lien Act of 1968 or 1969, Public Law 89-719, which means that the IRS even has to take a backseat to priority lien. Wow. They put the IRS up underneath the Uniform Commercial Code. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So just just learn about it. You know. And right. that's what you can do to enforce a claim, because the claim, man, is going to stay valid as long as it's underneath the treaty. It's a debt that has to be paid underneath treaty law. And if you look up uh, 11 U.S.C. subsection 1503, uh, pull that up real quick. 11 U.S.C. 1503, and read it for the people. Hang on a second. Okay, international obligations of the United States. To the extent that this chapter conflicts with an obligation of the United States arising out of any treaty or other form of agreement to which it is a party with one or more countries, the requirements of the treaty or agreement prevail. And there then that you was go. effective date, uh, yeah, April 2005. Okay. Now, United States Code under uh, Chapter 11, uh, United States Code 11 deals with bankruptcy. You have bankruptcy under Chapter 13, Chapter 11, and Chapter 7. Yeah. That's underneath uh, United States Code Title 11, deals with bankruptcy. So even in bankruptcy, they still owe you. The treaty takes the treaty takes court to that. Wow. It's paramount. Yeah. Now, read 9-311. You type in UCC 9-311. Read that for the people. Hang on a second. Okay. All right. Yeah, here we go. Perfection of security interest and and property. And I'm on a Cornell.edu website. Okay, uh, secured interest subject to other law, except as otherwise provided in subsection D, the filing of a financing statement is not necessary or effective to perfect the secured security interest in parties subject to, one, a statute, regulation, or treaty of the United States whose requirements for an interest, security interest uh, obtaining priority over the rights of a lien collector with respect Stop right to there. You see how the treaty takes precedence in that? Uh-huh. Although a financing statement is not required to perfect the interest, the reason why I foul is because most of these people don't read or they can't read. They recognize signs and symbols. So when I put the statute of the treaty into the body of that document, I put non-UCC filing, they already know. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. Now. I'm going to give you one more to look up. Look up uh, UCC 8-202. All right. All right. Issuer's responsibility and defenses. Notice yeah, you want you want it. You want to look up in that paragraph, uh, uncertificated security. Look for uncertificated security. 
All right. And read. Read there. The terms of an uncertificated security include those stated in any instrument, indenture, or document, or in a constitution, statute, ordinance, rule, regulation, order, or the like, pursuant to which the security is issued. Stop right there. Securities deal with bonds. Mm -hmm. Now you understand why I do silver bonds? Mm -hmm. There you go. All right. Wow. Yeah, I appreciate you for coming on and sharing this with us. Um, hopefully we can run this back in the future. Most definitely, most definitely. I got, if I got a little bit of time, I stayed up late last night, man, clearing my desk. I had some uh, clients I had to take care of, clear my desk just for this call. So after this, I'm free today. Sun is out. I'm gonna go enjoy some of it. <laughs> right, all right. But definitely, yeah. once again, just share your information with everybody, and um, we're going to close out. Yes. Uh, okay. Go ahead. I want I want to give a thanks to the audience as well. Uh, you can reach me at obashangoel.com. That's O is in Oscar, B is in Bravo, A is in Alpha, S is in Sierra, H is in Hotel, A is in Alpha, N is in November. G is in golf, O is in Oscar, E is in Echo, L is in Lima, dot com. Uh, you need consultations, you can get that from the site. Uh, if you're trying to start your process, status, correction, uh, you can get that from the site as well under Obashango Wells Method. And uh, I have a plethora of information uh, for free under Toriano's OneDrive. All donations are appreciated. My saying that you have to give one, but Give a love offering aid. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Tyler. And uh, that's how you can reach me. You can email me as well. My email address is on the site as well. So. All right. Okay, well, there you have it, family. Definitely hit this brother up. He's put in a lot of work. Um, I want to thank you again for coming on, and hopefully we can run this back in the future. Uh, thank you, Brother Sharif, for having me, man. All right. Okay, everyone, thanks for joining in. Make sure you share this with your family and friends. Like it and um, tune in for the next show. All right, peace, everybody. All right, peace and love, family. Ashe. Ashe.